Welcome to Rich Conversations. Today, our guest is Kelly Jo Castenson. And like our previous episode, we recorded this in my barn in Wisconsin in February in the cold. But we still had a, a great conversation regardless. We talked about a number of different things, uh, our hometown, what it's like growing up in the country, in rural America, growing up on a farm, what's required of your time and commitment while living on the farm and tending to animals. And we shared stories and experiences. It was so much fun. I, I just had so much fun. I'm just smiling the whole time. It was so engaging and uh, so joyful because I don't get to have a whole lot of conversations or we haven't really had um, guests from my hometown on before. So it was a lot of fun and um, I'm excited to share this with you. The, the uh, recording previous to our guest was a little campfire. I had a campfire. It was the first of the year. It was Easter and it's it's been pretty warm. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have a campfire. <laughs> so I did that and I just talked about things that are on my mind right now. Biology versus the modern society and world and um you know, just taking time to reflect on life and being intentional with the actions that one takes. So uh, this is a great episode. I'm excited to share it. We have Kelly Joe Castenson. We're in Raymond, Wisconsin, my hometown, and uh, we also have a campfire. So uh, it's going to be cozy, stay warm. But without further ado, let's begin. This is the first fire of the year. Oh, I've just missed this so much. Um, it's Easter. Was it April 9th? It's April 9th. And I'm in Wisconsin on the farm, smoking a cigar <laughs> with a campfire. Do you ever have moments where it feels like you were just living this moment not long ago, right? The weather was pretty good today. Sunny. Did it hit 70? It might have hit 70. And you think, wow, it's almost spring and summer again. And you think, oh, you know, winter wasn't that bad. And here we are again, right? Just like that, like time passes. And it seems like not long ago, October maybe, I was right here, smoking a cigar, <laughs> having a fire. Um, 
I gotta figure out a lighting situation for nighttime. Right now, I'm using the Gator, which is this all-terrain kind of vehicle on the farm, John Deere, and uh, that's what we're using for lighting. The campfire has this kind of mystique lighting, but I'm still pretty dark in it. But something that's been on my mind has just been time, biology, the human experience, and and just processing that. There are a few places better to think about the human experience and the human story than in front of a fire. <laughs> There's something so uh, uh, magical, mystical about fire. You know, fire. Um, it's quite beautiful. You just sit here and watch the fire endlessly. <laughs> but I think a question... that comes up in conversations I've had is human biology versus the modern world and society. Like what is right? Uh, what is natural? What is what <laughs> what is what right because as a human species we've we've made so much progress right i mean this right now right you're watching this on a screen of some sort and the knowledge and manipulation of elements on the periodic table to make that real and possible where I can have a conversation with somebody somewhere else and at a different time. It is quite multidimensional when you think about it, but sometimes I think We believe today, contemporary humans, that we're smarter than previous humans. And because of that, it gives us kind of this built-in excuse to try all these untested ideas that tinkers with our biology 
biotechnology is one of the biggest um, industries, topics for the 21st century. And so what I and I don't have the answers to, I suppose none, none of us will have the answers to it until years and years after this. But what we do with our bodies and what what is good for it, what is bad for it. Um, for example, screen time. It can't possibly get, be good for a human being and its psychology to be on screens or phones all the time. It can't, it can't, it can't be. We didn't evolve to do that. And in a way, we still have very much the DNA of our ancestors. And, but because of technology compounding, we've gotten here quicker and quicker. And I don't know if our biological entities have really caught up to it or have been built for that. Someone mentioned to me the other day that the reason why our vision is the way it is in a human is because we had to detect snakes when we're on the ground, you know, in the uh, savanna of Africa. I often think we don't take time to think about our history as a species enough. We don't, we don't think about how much we have in common. It seems like all we focus on in society is our differences. But when you look more broadly and you open your mind, you'll see how much we have in common and you'll experience such a richer and beautiful life and world. It's all a matter of the mind. And that's why we are experiencing this moment right here, together. Because human beings, what separates us from other animals is our minds and consciousness. So if you think about it, our consciousness is our biggest advantage. But it seems that society often is built to numb us of our consciousness, right? So that we don't have to think. So that we can react with our impulses instead. I live in Chicago right now and I come up to Wisconsin and I just, I can't wait to do this. Be at a fire, listen to the insects, frogs, see the stars. 
It's awesome. <laughs> I'd rather do this than watch a movie. Binge TV shows on Netflix. Um, scroll on whatever social media app of your choosing. Stillness, silence. The beauty and greatness of life is in the silence, in the, in the pauses, in the pauses, right? <laughs> that was a beautiful moment right there. <laughs> the logs of the fire. Falling over. It was inevitable, wasn't it? And the inevitable happened. But now it burns brighter. <laughs> Life is interesting right now. I feel like every video, <laughs> every recording, I'm like, Life is so interesting right now. <laughs> um, but it is. I was telling, I had a deep conversation the other night with a couple of coworkers. Uh, it was a slower night at the bar. And we just got into this deep, cerebral, philosophical, theological conversation. And. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, yes. So I was discussing how I've trained my mind over the years. To be clear. So that I can absorb what is happening. So any space... I step into, I gather information around me to observe what is happening right now. Not my opinions of what's happening, not what I want to happen or whatever, but what is happening right now and then reacting to that. Um, at any given moment, everything is communicating something to you. It becomes a question of whether or not your mind is clear enough to absorb what's happening, to process it uh, without bias or ego involved. And that's from training with Phil Jackson's philosophy that he used with the Chicago Bulls and Los Angeles Lakers. It's, you know, I, so I studied how they did it on the basketball court, 
but you can then take that concept and apply it in life. So on the basketball court, you're just reading the defense. What are they doing at this moment? But every single player on the court, on the team, so five of you are observing the same thing. You're training your mind to see what is happening right here, and then you react to it. So you become unstoppable because you don't have to run plays. All you do is just read what's happening and react to it. You don't need a script or plays, like I said. You just make moves and dissect the field of play. So it feels very similar to playing a video game. And when you feel like your life is similar to a video game, it's really interesting and fun where every action you take, it's, it means something. It's a step towards something. It's action. And I often have trouble watching movies because I don't think they're as interesting. I feel very passive and anxious when I watch movies. But I think it's also my approach of it where lately I'm trying to get more into the study of it. The art that goes into it. And every single intention with the shot and music and lighting. This is the first fire of the year. (laughs) I play basketball outside for the first time this year too and uh, it feels like a new beginning isn't that beautiful when you have a blank canvas and you can paint whatever picture you desire It's amazing and it's something to be grateful for. All right, welcome to Rich Conversations. This is another hometown edition. Uh, We are back in my barn and we are joined by the lovely Callie Jo Castenson. Welcome to the show. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. So you, you're on a farm, you have a barn. How does this barn compare to yours? They're very, very similar. They're, um, we were talking earlier a little bit, I watched a pigeon fly through, and I feel like that's kind of a thing of a barn, like a pigeon, these couple pigeons that just live here, and even yeah. just birds in general. Um, but in terms of like the old structure and all the work that it went to make a barn yeah. is so prevalent and easy to see, it's so cool. 
those pigeons though <laughs> they are like the bane of my existence yes i mean just look they make such a mess that's what we have two of them and they are so just noisy two, i feel like we have just like it's uh revolving door <laughs> yeah it's like a resort for pigeons <laughs> you just come in invite all their friends yep yep and they uh, they find all the cracks to fly into which is that's what's so tough about it like yeah. we have uh i don't know if you can see right here i suppose that's open the one door up top yeah, there so maybe that's why they're getting in yeah but over there we have like a caged uh entry then there's like up at the top but then they can come through the bottom too and oh yeah yeah, they get in anyway. Like we have um, just one little tiny like hole in the barn. Like that that's the and they just swipe yeah. right in. But they're they're funny creatures. Yeah. But it's kind of fun. I mean, it's one of those things that you walk in and you see it and you're like, this is home. Like <laughs> this is this is what I'm used to. So uh, do you know the year that your barn was built? I don't know the exact year. We they've thrown out the early late 1800s. Oh wow. Yeah. So um, that's our property around is around that time um, yeah. and just slowly added on here and there. Yeah. But it, I believe the roof was done, redone um, like the mid 1900s, so like 1950s. Okay. Um, and so that was kind of what saved the barn because you can even see in some old yeah. pictures they were really, it was really going downhill, but they kind of huh. revived it and brought it back and that's cool. What, what do you think about barns today and what they kind of, the purposes they're used for? Um, the only barns I really know are, are, you know, this one right here that's pretty old, mm -hmm. and then new ones that people put up, and then it's just like, fancy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love old old barns because, like I said, it goes back to like you can see the craftsmanship that really yeah. went into it. Um, new barns are more of fancy pole sheds that people yeah. use. Um, old barns aren't necessarily used for your livestock so much anymore, just because okay. they're a little bit the way they're built. Um, like some modern equipment can't actually make it in there. So um, mm -hmm. to clean things, make it all nice and use, useful. Um, but they're still used for hay lofts. I know a lot of people that okay. put hay and straw in their barns. Um, but we also have the modern kind of more um, event venues and people are fixing up barns yeah. and making them yeah. into those. Um, I've seen Airbnbs and I think those are kind of neat. Um, okay that they literally put in walls into the same barn and that, but. A lot of work would have to go into this to make it an Airbnb. <laughs> Depends I, on the clientele. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I know someone that they literally, they started in a barn venue because they had an old barn on the property and okay. they were getting married. Okay. And they were like, well, we'll get it fixed up enough. Well, everyone just loved the charm of the barn so yeah. much that they started saying, well, could I rent that? And they went, yeah. there's no air conditioning. There's barely any light. Like, what do you want out of this? And so then they slowly rented it out and kept fixing here and there and making it better and better. And it's really cool now. I mean, they put a lot of work into it, but. How many barn weddings have you gone to? <sighs> I think I'm up to like four or five now. Oh, okay. I think I've been to two, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. So not as many. Not as many. <laughs> That's all right. They do make it uh, quite cute. And uh, yeah, the charm. The it ch does have a charm. It does. And it, it does take a special person. I feel like a special person that can accept that charm and ex like really pull it out even in their yeah. decorations and everything they do in the day. Because if, yeah. if you try to upscale a barn too much, sometimes it becomes a little kitschy in the 
decorations. And yeah, everything. the kitschiness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get that. But I might have been to actually a few more, maybe like three. This this one I went to in Illinois, mm-hmm. in like rural Illinois. This barn was, it was probably like three times this size. Okay. And they had like a whole loft and they had like old cars yep. in the loft. That's awesome. And just like a whole big thing. I think I might know which barn you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not like, sure. Like yeah. Barnacopia. I don't know if you've heard hmm. of that. And it's got old cars and like um, John Deere memorabilia. Maybe. Maybe. No. no. There's definitely memorabilia. Yeah. That's kind of like the... The dream barn. Yeah. <laughs> that's <what Yes>. like. <laughs> We've actually, um, a friend of mine that I went to college with, his family was friends with the family that okay. that made Barnacopia. I don't know if that's the same barn you're talking about, but that's a three-story barn and, like, has so much memorabilia. Mm. And so when we went, we actually, they helped build some of that and do okay. things. So we went and saw it and had, like, this one-on-one tour. And it was so cool that how they went about building the barn and putting all of their mementos they had gotten through the years so that they had a place to store them. Yeah, it has a charm to it. And that's, that's like why I got like this little setup. (laughs) I was, I was telling you earlier, like (laughs) I got this makeshift studio in the barn. Uh, you know, it's February. We're recording this in February Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's not warm. No, it's not as bad as I was expecting, though. Like, it's I'm... not too bad. Um, but yeah, the like, the cuteness of it, mm-hmm. and uh, it's cool. Well, some people have memorabilia. We just have like old license plates from my dad. Uh, we got an old milk jug. I don't even think you can see it in the shot. And then we have a globe that's basically uh, being held up by the wall. <laughs> it has to like lean against the wall to stand. Uh, but yeah, there's like a, a charm to it. Yeah, there is That's a charm. what I'm trying to capture with yes. the, <laughs> the video, the podcast. <laughs> so we'll see. But it's a, it's a work in progress. Um, I figure I could have something like this. So then when I want to talk to a Wisconsin guests, uh-huh. they can come to my, my studio in the barn. In the barn. <laughs> <laughs> but, have its uh, own little name, in the barn. <laughs> yeah. So, But we both grew up in the town of Raymond. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you describe Raymond? It's a, it's a cute town, honestly. I don't know if cute's the right word. I, maybe I shouldn't yeah. say use that. But it's a close-knit community uh, where families date back generations yeah. and can kind of come together and be a great asset to one another, and they really care about each other. Yeah. Um, that's how I look at Raymond. Is How would you describe it physically? To people that are unaware, <laughs> yeah, unaware of it. Yeah, so we are, we are an odd town that we we're semi we're right on the cusp of urbanness. I feel like we're right yeah. in between Chicago and Milwaukee, um, mm. about thirty miles from Chicago, sixty miles. More we're than about that? like um, it depends where you start it. It's like seventy. Okay. Sixty-five. 65. <laughs> Depends From like on where, 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 where I get off, it's like <laughs> 76 miles, I think, end trip. Yeah. Anyways, it's like an hour and a half if you're driving. Yeah. Um, and we're right on the outskirts. On the highway. Yeah. Hour 15 if you're taking the 94. Yeah. And then we're like 30, 30 minutes from, from Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, it's just a hop and a skip. But yeah. you can literally, 
the interstate runs right on the east side of the town so you can just hop off into the town and do your thing there's not um tons of like or there's no box stores in raymond i don't know it's all kind of more small we fireworks stores we're known for our fireworks <laughs> yes Two fireworks stores. Two fireworks stores. <laughs> um, and then a couple construction-esque. Um, we now have a internet service. Virgin moved in town okay. by the the grade school area. See, I didn't. I didn't know about that. Like, uh, so I live in Chicago, but um, you know, I come back once a month, once every six weeks or mm-hmm. so. Um, I was watching my understand this or i've probably said this before but like i have this life philosophy that humans are either meant to be in nature or with each other so i get i get both of those fulfilled by living in chicago and then also coming back and and like taking a break Mm -hmm. mentally and just being out or i can just smell the dirt (laughs) be in the fields be on the farm go to the pond take a walk in the woods uh and i need kind of both of those and uh but I have noticed, like, coming back, though, there's more development or there's mm-hmm. more houses. Um, and it kind of, like, my internal system is, like, getting thrown off every time I come back. And I'm like, this isn't, this isn't normal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, change, change happens, but it's mm-hmm. – I don't know if this is the change I necessarily want. <laughs> so um, – yeah, I've had conversations with other people, and I think that's how we kind of mm-hmm. got in touch uh, more so. Because I don't, like, when I come back, I don't really necessarily, I just kind of hang out on the farm and do hang my thing. Nature. Um, yeah. But we've met a few times, and uh, yeah, what do you, what do you, what's your perspective <laughs> on it? Yeah, so I actually grew up technically in the town over, because I was in North Cape area. Yeah. But we had tie, family ties always to Raymond, right, so yeah. we came here all the time, and like, Raymond 4-H was our thing, and um, my family owns a business here. In this Raymond. is like a half mile. <laughs> yeah, it's away. not much <laughs> difference. So it was always Raymond was the town. So um, when we bought our house in Raymond um, and watching things start to build up, it's kind of sad, and it's kind of you just wonder, you know, you talk about the loss of farmland, and you talk about how there's no farmers that want to take over. Well, I wouldn't say that's necessarily the case, especially I'm um, – to people I've talked to in the area, you know, they, they want to take it over. However, farmland is less valuable than developmental land. Yeah. So if you can sell your farmland for more money, that's the option people are taking at, at this time. So it, it's hard yeah. to see. It's understandable to some extent. But for me, I, I get really sad watching it all, kind of a house pop up here or um, subdivision over there, you know, yeah. just little by little because you just start losing that charm and character of the town it is it starts to look like every other place yeah (laughs) and places i don't like spending time in (laughs) so it's like to me um and callie joe and i have have, have talked about this and it's like it's almost like this um point of time where you you sense this you have this sense of like, well, we should, if we don't like it, if I don't like it, or Mm -hmm. if you don't like it, or if we don't like it, we should get together and discuss it, right? Because otherwise it'll just 
happen. It, yeah, just without by, any like, input. <laughs> by physics or gravity, it will just happen. Um, and so in, in order, so it's like a point of inflection for mm-hmm. a community to come together and say, like, who are we? Who, who were we? Who are we now? What mm-hmm. do we want to become? Who do we want to become? And take steps to uh, take initiative to, to do that, right? Yeah, and start having those conversations yeah. and be open about it. I think so, there's a lot of people who internally feel it, where mm-hmm. they don't where they don't ex- express their concerns, um, yeah. and then there's also the people who do express their concerns but might not know how to get to the same people with the same like-minded concerns. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's um, nothing is necessarily good or bad. It's just a matter of mm-hmm. defining as a community, like what do we want? Yeah, you know, because then once you decide that and and you get more people sharing the same values, then that's when you can start to make headway and make progress. Make change. Um, yeah, so we've we've been in like preliminary discussions, you and I, <laughs> of like, okay, well, we we sh- we're we on share, the same page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who else is on the same page? And so we're we're actively, you know, uh, taking steps to try to find other people and communicate and organize like that. So. Yeah, and it's a slow process, but I want yeah. it. But it, it's definitely a process that needs to happen, and so, or that's how I see it. If if you want to, if you want to make progress or if you want something, you have to try, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Otherwise, that it will not happen. <laughs> yes. This is very very simple in life, right? <laughs> if you want something, no one's just gonna give it to you, especially if they don't know, right? You yeah. have to. You have to make known and you have to work at to, it. Yeah, to put forth the effort. So um, that's here. I I love Raymond. Yeah, it it's, is. It's a nice town. It really is. It is, and I don't want it to become something uh, generic like like I notice with other areas. Um, it's too easy to fall into that. You know, it's it's easy to put up houses and do this and this and this and bring people, especially where we're located. If it weren't for where we're yeah. located, that's easy to me. What's more, but if you take the harder road and you really work at it and you keep the town the way, you know, like keep that character and you work at that, I think that's more important. And also you can like benefit from staying true to who Mm -hmm. you are. Like in the long run, it's more, um, lucrative is probably the wrong word, but like the more you are yourself, Mm -hmm. which is different from everybody else, the more you'll stand out. Makes you special. Makes you special and everybody can benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the things that we've been talking about <laughs> off camera, stuff like that. Um, it was quite beautiful. And now, so you're on a farm. Yep. How many animals do you have? Um, well, right now we have just seven feeder calves okay. and um, 130 laying hens. 130. I was, <laughs> I was telling my friends this. I was like, I think she said 66. That, that's what we started with. Well, okay. so I wanted six. That's six. what I, I wanted. I knew there was like a six in yes, there. Yes, I wanted six because um, when I moved in with my husband, we were actually um, just in Caledonia. And um, the, the house we moved into didn't really have 
land or buildings or anything. Right. And I was of the, I need something for me to take care of because I grew up on a farm and I need that daily structure of chores at night, chores okay. in the morning. Like, Interesting. so I wanted six chickens so that I could take care of them in the morning and at night, which turned into, well, if you're going to get six, you might as well get 60. So then we had a bigger coop and it was becomes more of what I, than what I expected. And then um, we actually sell, started selling the eggs and it was like, oh, okay, now we need like 130 and I have another 50 coming in April. Wow. So it's a little bit more than I expected. And I laugh because I was never. So now you really got some structure. <laughs> yeah, we really have structure <laughs> morning and night. Um, and I, I have to say, I like the cattle more. So that's why we had to get the cattle um, yeah. in the mixture. But the chickens are they've taken on a mind of the earth, like more to the yeah. operation than I ever expected. So what's the, what's the daily? So you, you have just, you have seven cattle mm -hmm. and 130 hens. Yes. What is the daily, what is your daily? What yeah. Is, what is, what are chores? What, what, yeah, what, what does your, your day look like? <laughs> so in the morning, it's always feeding and watering, making sure everything is taken care of um, for both the cattle and the chickens. And then um, and then during the day, I do about my regular business, working on different things. And then 4 o'clock is like my time, 4, 4.30. If it hits 5 o'clock, I'm too late. But I go outside, and then I feed them all again, make sure there's water, and then we collect all the eggs later at night then too. So how many, how many eggs are you per day? Um, well, right now we're down a little bit because it's cold out and chickens are actually, um, they lay based on the sunlight. So when the days get shorter, they lay less. Oh, when the days get longer, they lay more. So right now they are laying about, we're at like 70 to 80 a day. Um, okay. And then once it gets summertime, we should be back up to a hundred or so a day. Okay. And then, um, and then the, we do like monthly, we clean them out and do all the good things, but that doesn't have to happen every day, like making your bed or such, you know, it's a oh, little yeah. different, <laughs> um, but keeping up on that end. Um, so it's not super time intensive. Honestly, I spend about an hour a day with them, but okay. in terms of the structure is my big thing. Cause it's mm -hmm. like every day I have to do this and they depend on me cause they can't do it themselves, which is, which is a good so feeling. This is something people that didn't grow up in the country don't understand because you know I'm in Chicago and people are like you know yeah I just want to get away from everything just just like live on a farm just have my own farm and raise animals and I'm like yeah. are you sure are you sure about that because you have to be attentive to the animals every day mm -hmm. twice a day it's a huge time commitment and the commitment is the big thing yeah it's like you can't just go out of town like you on a yeah. on a spur and that's my husband didn't grow up on a farm so that's the okay. thing he's getting used to of like no we want to go away for a weekend well we need to have it lined up someone's taking yeah. care of them in the morning someone's there at night and have that all figured out before we just jet off somewhere yeah it's like a logistical <laughs> labyrinth <What's> <laughs> yeah and that's the thing that i've run into in talking to people who um who also think they want a farm and then they make it, you know, they have their chickens for about two months. We've had people that they advertise their chickens. They want to get rid of them. And we're like, well, yeah. maybe we'll take on a couple more. Sometimes it's all dependent, but they've said like, this is too much work. I didn't realize all the work that went into it. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah they're, they're living creatures too. They need their, they need to be cared yeah. for correctly. And this goes back to kind of 
the topic we were just discussing. It's like Raymond is this rural community mm -hmm. and you have people who are not from the area or the lifestyle that come move in because they're attracted to, you know, I want to be out in the open land. I want to, you know, be in the countryside until they'll start raising animals. <laughs> And they, they put up, they build all these fences. And, and they're nice fences, too. Like, they, they yeah. go all out. <laughs> <laughs> these are like, like, oh, that fence is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. But then after a while, they realize how much time it is. Mm -hmm. And then they then get rid of them. And then now they got this fence that's up. Yeah. Because, um, again, it's, there's this, like, idea in the head of what something is. But then there's the reality of what it actually is as well. Well, and I laugh because you go and play, like, games on your phone like farmville and things yeah. and you're like man this is so easy like <laughs> i just go to collect all these things and i just sell oh i'm making money i mean farming is a lot more than yeah. that especially like so we talk about like the animals and what we have on our farm but like um so my my family farms more than just you know they actually crop farm um and my husband works on a farm and they do um essentially soybeans and corn and wheat and so you're now mixing in straw and you're trying to keep everything going all at the yeah. same time and most days in the summer i'd say he's gone from like seven to nine at night and yeah. it's a different lifestyle and you get yeah. used to it and he makes comments of oh my i can't believe you can handle this you're home alone a lot i'm like it is what yeah. it is but you get people who've never been around that and well i don't want to have to give up this to be able to do that and yeah it's trade-off and and those games that you play do not show that <laughs> at all and even like you watch like tv shows about farming or things it's like you don't see any of the struggles or anything so you start to struggle and you go why are we doing this <laughs> unless you have it ingrained in you that this is a really good thing this is what you want to do it's easy to say oh let's just go do something else and give this up <laughs> and then uh time comes when egg prices are oh. super high and well you know yes. not for me <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. okay elaborate on this because people are like there was this whole I think they're, they've come down a bit now but just a hair ex explain the increase in egg prices oh there, yeah there's a lot of things going into it quite honestly um so what we really saw were um was the avian flu went through. I don't know if you saw headlines about okay. that. Um, and they had to, essentially if a flock was found with that, they had to um, kill all the birds within that flock. So you had hundreds of thousands of birds getting killed off. And then um, now we have to replenish that stock. And it's not just that you go buy, you buy chicks and they start laying eggs. It takes six to seven months, I think it is yeah. six. I'm not might not be remembering that off the top of my head right but it takes time to replenish that and get it going again so we had that going on in the background well now we also have um with corn and soybeans and wheat and different things that you put into the feed that has also been at record high prices right now so your feed okay. costs are also increasing considerably mm. and one thing we saw too is then all of a sudden with um, paper and packaging costs our carton costs went up, they doubled essentially from what we were paying before. So wow. it's all these little parts and pieces coming together to make it that there's a less of a supply and now we have more higher inputs to make that all work. Yeah, people have been baffled by this. 
I don't 100% blame them because I, it was kind of like weird. And I we've always just kind of kept our prices the same because yeah. our inputs are about the same other than the egg cartons. Um, and then it was slowly people were calling me, did you see how much they are in the grocery store? No, I, I don't look for eggs in the grocery store. I paid $7 today. <laughs> This is like a huge thing. This this was such a major thing. Yes. And I'm getting phone calls and I'm like, okay. So did you increase your prices or? Um, we only went up a dollar on our large eggs and then we have, so we, we divide them. We do small, small, mediums, large and extra large because, um, different chickens lay different sized eggs. Okay. Um, so I felt bad selling the smaller eggs at the regular cost. Um, so we went up from four dollars to five dollars on our large extra large and uh okay. from two dollars to now we're up to 350 on our small mediums <laughs> how would you describe the difference between your eggs the taste of your eggs and the quality of your eggs versus what you find in the grocery store so the so the biggest thing and one of the biggest misconceptions is that brown eggs are better and it's not necessarily that's not necessarily a fact um the egg color is really just dependent on the bird and the species mm-hmm. or the breed, essentially it is. Um, but the biggest difference is the different feed that we're feeding. Um, for us, we actually mix our own feed and know exactly what we're putting in. And mind you, like the bigger bigger farms aren't necessarily putting anything bad in, um, but they have bigger batches. They're just doing things a little differently. Um, but the biggest thing is from farm to counter essentially we can get it from our farm to the counter within a day two days um a lot of these other places i've heard time frames from like 20 days to a a month and a half Mm. to get them to the grocery store and actually get them sold so you have that time when the egg the quality of the egg is slowly deteriorating over time yeah um so that's the biggest thing for us at least um and we actually and in our feed too, like I said, feed's different. Um, for us, we feed, we actually started adding um, a marigold powder into it and it makes the yolks yellower and a little more dense in nutrients, um, mm. which is interesting. And we work with a nutritionist and things on that kind of stuff, but. That's a that's the big difference, especially is the yolk. Yes. <laughs> like fresh eggs, it's like, oh, this is so bright. It's, it's as so bright yellow. as the sun. <laughs> yes. Yep, and that, that has all to do with now that kind of little things that add up yeah. to a lot and then in the store it's like a faded yellow mm-hmm. yeah yeah hmm. that's interesting so then your family runs harry hansen's meat correct which yep. is a local like meat market yeah we uh say? local meat market and we also process livestock um yeah. so there's not many local processors left actually even in mm-hmm. southeastern wisconsin um i want to say there's about four or five of us left um, so we work with local farmers and they bring in livestock and we process them from start to finish and, um, also sell direct to consumer through the retail store. Best bacon, <laughs> best bacon. I feel like I've been spoiled. I can't even eat other bacon. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we, we had it on my, uh, my birthday. One of our Christmas gifts was, uh, some, some beef sticks and some bacon There you go. from, from your place. And we had it, uh, my birthday is December 27th. Okay. So I usually stay in town until like then, you know, I'm here for the holidays and I go back to Chicago. Okay. And then so that morning we had our family over, nieces and nephews and everybody. And then we cooked up that bacon and it was like, oh, that was good. <laughs> Some of the best. 
Yeah, well, and that also is different in processing, too, of why it is tastes different of like a lot of when you buy bacon at the grocery store a lot of that is um they're trying to produce so much to feed the quantity um that they're using actually like an injected smoke versus like a true smokehouse which is what we use interesting yes so there's a little bit of science or little things going on in the back end on that so but what are some other differences between like bigger operations Mm -hmm. compared to smaller operations in the quality of the food yeah, so one thing that I always say is, like, the quality of the animal is usually the same. There's a lot of things, you know, like, pe- a lot of farmers are not doing bad things by any means. So, like, even large farms, when they're selling them to larger packers, and by packers I mean meat processing facilities, um, there's nothing really wrong there. What we're seeing, though, is that those cuts of meat are being cut actually at those processing facilities and then sent to the grocery stores and things and so they're losing that freshness to them as they're getting shipped from here to there and they're not um they're sitting in the container that then they're sold in versus you just cut what we get in or what we we work with is large primals they're called so large pieces of meat and then we cut them into the smaller parts and it's more fresh okay um they actually a lot of larger packers they do um wet aging so wet aging. What is wet? Aging? <laughs> wet aging is where they um, they chirovac large pieces of meat and then let that age within the juices that are essentially made by that cut of meat. So it's wet. Mm. Whereas what we try to do when we pro- or not what we try to do what we do when we process livestock yeah. is um, we let them hang so that they in a cooler for two weeks so it dry ages it. Um, and that just breaks down the meat in a different type of way. Do you ever go to a steakhouse and like critique <laughs> the steaks? I, I, I actually don't. I don't. I usually get chicken or pork when I go to a steakhouse. Like I don't. Really? I, I avoid getting steaks. My biggest thing is that I don't, I like how I cook steaks better. Like that's my biggest thing. Okay. Um, but I'll try some of my husband's here and there and like, okay. I'll just say like, oh, yep, this was good. This they cut right. Like this was and he gets driven nuts by it. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> never mind. We're done. <laughs> I think my favorite story, though, is like my sister. She went out to she went out to lunch with some friends of hers and they were all sitting down. They had all their steaks. And the one friend had ordered like a T-bone or something and yeah. ended up getting a ribeye. Like it was just the wrong cut of meat completely. And like the late, they asked the waitress, like, are you sure this is the right? Like I, I ordered a T-bone and they're like, yeah, that, nope, that's a T-bone. And Rochelle, my sister was just like, no, <laughs> no, this is so wrong. Like you got a better cut. Or, well, it's not necessarily better. It's just a different cut of steak. Yeah. It was more expensive on the menu, yeah. but like, okay. Yep. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Do you have a garden? We do, but it's, uh, there's a lot of better gardeners out there than us, I have okay. to say. Um, we end up actually going to like, there's a fresh produce stand on the way, usually from my from okay. the farm that my husband farms at to our house. So it was way easier to grab stuff from there than mm. um, my tomatoes. I don't know what I do wrong, but they just don't grow. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> I feel like that's something I'm going to get into. It's like gardening. gardening. I don't know when, but like... Yeah, there's something charming about it. It really is. And yeah. there's there's a lot of good things that come from it if you do it right. I yeah. feel like we 
did not do it right. I've been, I've been really into basil lately. Oh, yep. <laughs> I just have a garden of basil. There you go. <laughs> and that you can, I think you can grow in like smaller pots yeah, and things like yeah, yeah. outside your window, all, all yeah. over the place. I feel like the amount of work to go into like one of those small pots outside your window and stuff, yes. especially in the city, just seems mediocre. Like, like just too much work. Oh, that seems like the, too much work. Well, not, not though that. It's too much work for what you get out. Okay. Too much input, not enough output. Okay. Whereas like in the store, then you can just get it. Get it and grab it and go. Anyways. <laughs> did, now, did you take animals to the county fair? Yes. Um, what animals did you take? We had uh, cattle and pigs. And one year okay. I showed a turkey. But that was one year. No more. So describe the process of taking cattle and pigs to the county fair. I used to take lambs. So like <laughs> in here in this like cow yard, uh, we would take lambs to the county fair. Okay. Describe the difference raising pigs and cattle. So the cattle you actually get way sooner than the pigs. Okay. So like the, the um, calves that we were getting to show at the fair, we were getting in like, so the fair was July. Mm-hmm. And we were getting them the October, November before. Okay. So we had them for like six, eight months, eight months. And uh, had them the whole time. Cattle, to be able to take them to the ferry, they have to be broke to lead. So essentially you have to get be able to put a halter on them, which is a rope that goes around their nose and head, and you can pull them around. The, um, and so that was always the challenging part when you first got the calves was mm. making them understand that what you were doing was nice and they enjoyed it. Um, and they did because we spent a lot of time together once we got the halter thing figured out. Yeah. Um, so we get the halter on and brush them and I'd be out there every day brushing and this and that. And um, some winter time I wasn't out as much as I maybe should have been. Um, I still did all my chores the normal way. <laughs> However, the whole thought of being out there for an hour petting my steer when it was cold out was not appealing to me so i would wait until about april may when it was getting warm and then i spent an hour every day with them okay. um, brushing them just spending time walking them doing all those kinds of things on the flip side pigs those those are probably closer to lambs quite honestly um we were getting the pigs about march april okay. i'd say march closer and then we would have them for a shorter amount of time they actually don't get led with halters. Um, they get uh, what we had at that time was a cane, and we would tell them where yeah, they had to like, go. Like yeah, you tap them around. Yeah, yeah, you'd tap them on the side of their cheek and say, I want you to go this way, I want you to go that way. And then they would just walk and do their thing. Um, and those, so those I didn't spend quite as much time with. Um, it goes back to that I like the cattle more than the yeah. other animals. But. Did you ever have horses? We had a pony growing up. but A pony? A pony, yeah. Okay. So a small horse, essentially. Yeah. And then you said turkeys. What inspired the move to turkeys for you? My aunt was convinced I needed to show a turkey. And so she she made sure I got my turkey and we were raising this turkey. And I showed a turkey once and that was enough for me for a turkey. Um, Why is that? What, what about were, turkeys? They were just different. And I have to say that, like, so with the turkeys, you're getting them. You're only having them for like three, four months. It's not long at all. And once we got them as like little chicks and we raised them up and then I got to the county fair and you didn't spend as much time with them. And then you, you didn't actually lead them or do anything with them. You just kind of like waddled with them to the show ring, let them go out 
and do their thing and then come back. And something about that was terrifying to me. Like, what if this turkey gets loose while I'm waddling it to the show ring? Or like, what if something happens outside my control and I have no control over this turkey because it's a turkey? And that was the end of that career. <laughs> I was too scared of the bird. Yeah, turkeys are a, a different kind of creature. They'll be like, I'll, I'll see wild turkeys around here. Mm -hmm. Can they fly? Sometimes I think... Uh, they can get not super high in the air, but they can fly some. Yeah. I'll see, like, sometimes I don't believe my eyes. And I'll, like, the turkey will, like, fly up into a tree. Yep. And I'm like, did, did that just happen? Yep. Oh, man. <laughs> they're, they're wild animals. They're... They're turkeys. I mean, what? Uh, what? Do you know the hunting laws? I don't think you can shoot them. Or they have a season, just like like okay. deer seasons and things. They've got a turkey yeah. season. I don't know anything more about them than yeah. that. We have a little herd of like six turkeys that I see every year that come through our yard, and um, they kind of do their little thing and they waddle. Well, these are like big they, birds. Yeah, yeah, they are, and they fly into trees. Yeah. <laughs> You're just kind of like, okay, there they go. It's something you're never really like <laughs> growing up you know, on TV or whatever, you don't, you're never really taught or, or shown that turkeys can do that. Mm -hmm. And then, so when you do see it, it's, it's a wild sight. And I know like for like chickens, I don't know if it's same with turkeys is like our chickens can also fly. Um, but we clip their wings when they're young. Um, okay. so that they can't actually fly. Like they can't make it off the ground. And so kind of trains them to never fly after that. So I don't know if some like non wild turkeys, if that's what you do to train them not to fly. And that's why they don't fly. Okay. I don't know about enough about the turkey industry. I'm not going to lie, but they are, yeah. they are special creatures. They, they scare me. <laughs> they're pretty terrifying. That was supposed yeah. to be a, they're kind of not attractive. <laughs> no. That was supposed to be, I think, uh, for the United States, it was going to be like a turkey mm -hmm. as kind of the symbol, huh. but we went with bald eagle. That's probably the better option. I think Ben Franklin was arguing for the turkey. <laughs> I can't, I don't know. I could be totally wrong uh, because they're very prevalent in America. And that makes, turkeys. I mean, that makes sense, but they're not very like, majestic. They, no, <laughs> they're, they're these big old clunky birds that scare me <laughs> yeah i think it was a better move with the bald eagle yeah oh yeah actually there has been one circling around here i don't know if you've gotten to see it i, I see a lot of hawks okay yeah we've had a bald eagle it was actually across from our house and then i was on facebook really? and there were people like spotting this bald eagle really and it was it's been flying like from here to here to here and i'm assuming it's the same one because i don't know of many bald eagles around this area they're not native to this area of the Midwest, no. right? Or the Midwest at all? Not that I know of. I don't think so. Where are they usually found? Out west? I think so. Or I don't know. I remember. I mountains? Do when we were, uh, when I went to, I went to school in Platteville, Wisconsin, and there was actually quite a few along the Mississippi. They would have okay. nests in there. So maybe more of like a, and that's a little more hilly terrain. So that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I feel like bald eagles aren't interested in just flat land. No. <laughs> it's too boring for them. <laughs> like, we need to go. It's too we... boring for a lot of people, too. <laughs> go explore other things. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Okay. So you had mentioned the county fair. Yeah. Describe the county fair. Yes. Our county fair. Our Racine county. Racine County Fair. <laughs> Racine County Fair. Uh, so Racine County Fair, it's actually a pretty large fair in the area. Um, it's in Union Grove. And um, 
essentially it was started in Burlington. I want to say the first fair was in Burlington. And then um, it was to showcase agriculture. And then they moved it to Union Grove. And that's kind of where it has stayed. And they've built buildings. And um, it's where youth and actually adults can show too. Um, The youth show through youth organizations like 4-H, FFA, um, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts. And they can bring pretty much any project under the anything under the sun that they can make. or, or that they can raise. So I've known people to show cattle, but I also know people who've shown their cats. Um, and they get to exhibit that. And then we also have the open class, which is for adults to be able to showcase some of their things they're going. But it really is a community-focused event. So you, um, there's entertainment there um, between bands and a demo derby. And there's also things for kids so it's more family friendly um where there's amusement rides and also yeah. petting zoos and also don't forget the tractor pull oh the tractor pull yes the tractor pull is a big one it brings in a lot of people yeah. and then we also i always um there's a, different days every day there's a different theme and things that people yeah. come in for and it's a nice community event honestly and it's a nice family oriented community event so that you can bring their kids yeah. there and not feel not feel scared or anything yeah as you've gotten older, have you have you been going to the county fair yearly as mm-hmm. well? Same. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I I am a diehard county fair goer. So. <laughs> Did you ever run for like a county fair? The fairest of the fair. Yeah, 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 yep, yeah. I was the fairest of fair 2016. 2016. <laughs> yes, that was a big deal. Um, and what happens when you're the fairest of the fair? You're so as the fairest of the fair, you're essentially ambassador for the county fair. Okay. Um, so you get to go out. Uh, well. The five days of the fair, you're there talking about all the things happening during the fair and encouraging people to really get involved with that. And then the rest of the year, you're going out and inviting people to the fair. Um, you also get to run for state fairest, which is up um, okay. in the Dells the first week of January. They hold for all county fairs to come in. So like, I think there's like 38 county fairists, and they all come, yeah. and you compete against each other for the title of the state fairest. Okay. And if you're the state fairest, you get to then be the official ambassador of the Wisconsin State Fair. So then does that, the fairest of the fair, go on and compete or? No, it, with... it doesn't go any further than that. That's the top of the top. <laughs> Wisconsin State Fair. <laughs> Wisconsin the State Fair. Yeah, and it's, it's, the nice thing is it's not a beauty pageant by any means. Yeah. There's a lot of things that go into it, like professionalism and um, just personality-wise. How can you talk to people? Are you good at that? Um, so it's kind of fun to watch, but thankfully there's no talent involved because I would have definitely not made it past (laughs) any further. (laughs) Yeah. But they give out scholarships and things too, which is awesome for anyone who competes and who wins. I think it's like a $1,500 scholarship for the winner and. Oh, nice. Yeah. So there's some perks to it, but. Yeah. The fair rural, rural America. It's such a big because it's not just our county fair, but there's mm-hmm. fairs all over the state, but all over the country. country. It's definitely this uh, Americana event, mm-hmm. you know, that happens every year around the country. And it's the same kind of stuff, I want to say. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of neat because they actually, it's, the county fairs are essentially happening all year round, depending on where you're at. Because... Um, I've been down to county fairs, and that was in, like, February was the Osceola County Fair down in Florida, and they had all the things really? going on. Yep, so it's just depending on where you're at, there can be different 
So what was that like? It was actually very similar to ours, I have to say. Really? <laughs> yeah. Down in Florida. Down in Florida. And it's and the Osceola County is it's either the same county as Disney or it's the like county Orlando? over. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So um there was a lot of people that were like, well, this is, you know, we don't have agriculture, but there were kids from all over showing, um, exhibiting livestock. Um, the same kind of livestock? Or do they got like gators and flamingos and stuff <laughs> no, the same, same kind. I would have loved to see gators or something. I think that would be neat, but I didn't see any. But yeah, they had barns just like ours filled with livestock. Really? Um, the pigs, cattle, chickens, all wow. that. And then they... Uh, they also had the non-animal projects, and that's the kind of the neat thing that you get to participate in, even if you're not on a farm with livestock, yeah. is that you can take quilting or you can do photography, and they had plenty of that. The one thing they did have that we didn't have was a rodeo. They were very heavy in their rodeo mm. and very excited rodeo. about it. <laughs> in Florida. In Florida, Flo yeah. Man, Florida is an interesting place. <laughs> it was very interesting. There's such like an outlier, I feel like. Yeah. Something I would want to do in my lifetime is go to the Texas State Fair. With the State Fair of Texas, that one, like yeah. in Dallas. I don't know. I feel like it's in um, northern Texas, okay. maybe. Because they've got a like, couple state fairs. Like they're they're a weird state. What's what's the one where they? Um, that's another outlier for sure. More of an outlier in Florida. <laughs> uh, the one where it's like the weekend they play Oklahoma in college oh. football. It's like the Red River rivalry, and that's kind of like the, the capstone of okay. the state fair in a way. I'd have to do more research on that, but that's interesting. Yeah. Texas seems like it would have a huge state fair. They Well, they have like three pretty much. I mean, they've got wow. – and they're not necessarily all called state fairs. Like there's a state fair of Texas, and then they've got Fort Worth – stockyard like that's a whole okay. nother show of sorts and then so they've just got all these like all over we're <laughs> depending on where you want to yeah. go and it's kind of neat because it it does they, since they are such a huge state it does provide those kids to be able to go whichever one is closest to them versus yeah, like wisconsin state, has yeah. just their one and that's the, yeah that's the state fair um texas huh. has a couple i imagine yeah they definitely have rodeos yes those, you'll see it on like obscure sports, like uh, on like off hours of ESPN, they'll have rodeos. Mm -hmm. I think Houston is a big rodeo place. Yes, Houston is the Houston. Well, they've got the Houston livestock and rodeo. I, that's I think what it's called. Yeah. Um, but I always think rodeos are neat. And I've, some of the athletes that are in there, I follow them on Facebook and things, and they're just so down to earth. And the like, rodeo? Yeah, in rodeo. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and you read their things, and you're just like, wow. Like, your perspective on things is awesome for you being, like, you're making lots and lots of money off of a sport, but you would never guess that they were. That's a dangerous sport. It is a dangerous they, sport. They're making some pretty decent money then? I think so, from my understanding. Yeah. <laughs> decent money compared to me, I would say. <laughs> But huh. they, uh, I always watched the barrel racers was, I guess that's a little bit of a safer sport. Than, What's the barrel racers? Uh, so barrel racing is where there's three, essentially three barrels and you can do a clover pattern with a horse. It's very popular among women typically. Um, so you, you run the course and you go as fast as you can around the barrels. So you're horse racing? Ish. You're on a horse. Okay. But it's only you. Like, you're not in the ring with anyone else. 
Okay. And you're so it's timed. Timed. It's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you run the course and you come back and. Huh. It's it's wild. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like it's a little bit safe. It's still not the safest thing because you have a you have a live animal that you're dealing right. with. But it seems safer than like the PBR. Than like riding bull riding. A, a bull? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, gee, I don't you know. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder why. <laughs> but yeah. Well, to kind of wrap up our conversation, what what is something you're curious about recently? Something I'm I curious. always enjoy asking that question. <laughs> That's a really hard question, actually. Um we actually, well, so we've been redoing our house. Um, okay. Our, so our farm has an old farmhouse that was also built around the same time as our barn. And we've been redoing the wiring in the house. So I guess mm. lately I've been really interested in the wire, like electricity wiring. Okay. And even like the history of some of the wiring has really been interesting because you, you pull out this wire huh. and they're like, oh yeah, that was used in the forties or, and there's so many things that people can just go, yeah, that was from that era. That's when they must've oh. rewired last. Huh. Um, so kind of the history along yeah. with the actual use of electricity has been interesting. Have you, you've been doing uh, like a project in your barn, right? Yeah. We were doing a rewire project in there too. Okay. Um, so we rewired a, the whole entire thing. Um, it's a, I'm really glad the barn never burnt down. I'll just say that based on what mm. was previously in there and the mice had taken their course, um, and chewed yeah. through things. And so there was open electricity just essentially that we were finding here and there. And so we, we redid it all and it's all safe yeah. now, but our, see our burn, our barn burnt down in 1991. So this is the different barn. Okay. But the the barn on the actual farm burned down in 91. Hmm. So that's when we stopped doing dairy. Okay. And we were just just cash crops, and then we would have some animals as well. But um, yeah. do you keep wild cats around? Um, we just have the two barn. We have two barn cats. Yeah. Um, they're not wild, but we do have a couple random cats show up here Yeah, and it's there. like... Uh, yeah. They do their thing, right? Yeah. And then, like... So we, we keep, I think we have like three kind of barn cats at the farm yep. and then they take care of the mice and then you feed them in return and they it's keep like you this up. exchange. Yep. The cat, did you see the cat inside our house? Yep. This is one of the most interesting, <laughs> interesting little stories in life. So th that was a wild cat. Okay. That was born or used to live in this barn. And then this is maybe uh, five years ago. It started just like getting closer to humans. Huh. And then it just like social climbed its way <laughs> to becoming a house cat. <laughs> but she like basically runs the house. She can like go out whenever she wants and Do she'll be thing. gone for like two, two, three days, whatever, come back. Well, then she got pregnant a few times. And one of the cats is now in Chicago, one of the kittens. Okay. Someone wanted a, a kitten, so then they went to Chicago, and it just, if you look at that family tree, that, that, that's one of the most impressive like social ladder climbing I've seen. <laughs> She's straight to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when your offspring then goes, becomes a house cat in Chicago, that's a pretty sweet life. Yeah, yeah. That's, a cushy, that's a cushy life. Whereas uh, she, yeah, she's, she's still in the house, and, but she'll always... She gets the circle. Going around. Yeah. That's what yeah. we had that too growing up. Like we had 
we had the couple cats that were ours and then all of a sudden one would just show up and it was like, yeah. alrighty, well, you're here now. Like, <laughs> And sometimes they'd disappear and sometimes they'd come back. And We uh, used to, tomcats are pretty bad as yeah. far as like, like we used to have a few and then they'd be gone for like a week and you're like, oh. But then he comes back and half his face is missing. <laughs> you can see like, it's horrible. Like you can see funny. his teeth when it's yeah. like, turn this way, that way. You can see the teeth because <laughs> half his cheek is gone, his ears missing. Like, <laughs> yep, I, I can think. And it's funny because my husband, he didn't grow up around this yeah. at all. And so we actually had a female cat, and he's like, well, how is she going to, you know, how are we going to have kittens? And I'm like, oh, they'll just show <laughs> up. They'll find you, a way. You don't know yet, but they will. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we just watched this one cat walk through the yard, and he's like, is that what you're talking about? Yep. <laughs> don't know where he came from. Don't know where he's going, but he's here, and yeah. he'll be gone. And that's okay. Yeah. But, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, animals. Yeah. Living on the farm. Very interesting life. <laughs> and kittens. And that was always the coolest thing was when you had kittens. And then you'd go and yeah. find them and hold yeah. them. And then the, the mom would go and take them somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, that was always funny, too. Of, mom, the cats are gone again. Well, yeah, because you were bothering them. <laughs> <laughs> Leave them alone. Okay. Yeah. But those are little things you get to enjoy growing up. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, yeah. stopping by and talking uh, all things farm and rural and countryside with me. Yeah, no it's problem. Been good. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks for helping me break in this uh, barn studio Hell as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy it. I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs>